Episode 29 of The Paul George Show welcomes Renee Ori and Bishop Sam Jacobs. It's better to live by design than by default. And once you've experienced God's power in your life, it just marks you till the day you die. The, 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 the poverty of spirit, it's not, he's not saying we have to be poor, but we're, we're, we're detached, we're not dependent upon, we're not, we're not possessed by. The Paul George Show! Welcome to the Paul George Show. This week, Paul welcomes two great guests, Renee Ori and Bishop Sam Jacobs. He discusses decluttering your spiritual life, the shortage of priests, and some great stories from Paul's childhood. And now, from Christ Our King Studios in Lafayette, Louisiana, the extemporaneous Paul George. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. Paul George in a studio with the world-famous Adam Conk. Hello, Paul. Adam, great to see you today, man. Smiling as always. Yes. You're a little tired this morning. Dude, what I you been up am to? exhausted. What you been I'm up to? I'm completely smoked, man. <laughs> I got in at one this morning, then woke up with my kids, see them off to school. I was off in North Mississippi. That's in the United States. Yes. Doing a parish mission for the week. Awesome. Now, yeah. this is something you do regularly, and, and it's a pretty cool thing, but parishes will invite you to, yeah. Yeah, to and do I a mission do, at their parish. I do a few parish missions a year. I don't do a ton. One, because uh, you have to go for a long time. You you know, you're there four or five days, so it's, it's mm-hmm. a long trip instead of a day or two. Uh, because a parish mission, you do, you know, three or four nights type thing mm-hmm. uh, consecutively. And so uh, I did this one. I chose to do this one for a specific reason. What's that? I, I thought you would never ask. <laughs> well, one, I, really, I prayed about it, and I wanted to do this this specific mission um, in North Mississippi because there's not many Catholics there. Mm-hmm. It's heavenly, either Protestant or non-church-going area, and I think maybe 1% Catholic. Wow. Yeah. So... Churches are like 30 minutes apart, maybe even more. And I know a lot of times when people who are listening, maybe you're from like a bigger city or an area that's heavily Catholic, particularly where we live, Adam and Lafayette, mm-hmm. uh, we don't always understand that, that um, the church is different in other places and has its own uh, issues and struggles. And sometimes it's really good to, to kind of zoom out and get a broader view of where the church is. Well, and you probably met some people at the mission. How... How is the church different in an environment like that? Like well, first how... of all, the church is tiny, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're lucky. To, they have one priest who is shared with basically three parishes, so one main parishes and two little parishes. But the main parishes are small, you know, maybe maybe 50 families total. Wow. Right? Or 100 families total in the parish. So... You know, it, it's it's mission territory, and certainly yeah. Catholics are a minority there. And you find a lot of times that Catholics, when they're in a minority in a place, they're actually strong in their faith because they're really trying to learn it and know about it. Is that what you experienced there? Kind of both. Experience people who experience persecution as Catholics, mm-hmm. who are mm-hmm. committed to kind of pushing through and 
and understanding more of the faith, and then some who just don't know anything about their faith because they don't have a lot of catechists up there or a lot of theology or you know, a lot of conferences or retreats where they're learning and growing. Um, and so you find that a lot of people didn't, didn't know a whole lot. But I really enjoyed the mission because I felt like you know, it was really kind of going to an area that needed the gospel to be preached. So that's awesome. And people ask me all the time, what do you do when you do a parish mission, like during the day? Because, you know, the talks are at night. That's right. Sometimes parishes will say, you know, can you do a morning talk? Yeah, like at the school or something. The school Mm -hmm. or for like, you know, all the older retired people Mm -hmm. in the morning and then some at night. And I don't always enjoy that because because of, of what I did this past week. Which is what? So I had had the, the days off, and then the talks were at night, so I went fishing every day. Nice. Yeah. Your own little retreat. Yeah. So a friend of mine, friends of mine live up there, stayed at their place, and we just went bass fishing every day. Wow. Day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Did we, you catch some stuff? Yeah, we hammered them, bro. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You brought any to Louisiana? Well, my friend's wife, Annette, she's the DRE up there. She put a hit out on the fish. Ooh. And so we took it seriously. Dang. Yeah. And so me and Mike went and we just we just took him down. <laughs> <laughs> now are you one of these uh people where anytime you're in a situation that was from the gospels, let's say fishing, you immediately start thinking of the apostles and how much they fish, or that's like the furthest thing from your No, mind? I immediately started thinking of the apostles and how they fished, and then I immediately started thinking about how Jesus kind of turns that whole idea on them and then calls them to be fishers of men. Mm-hmm. And that was like you. I mean, in one day that was you. Yeah. Fishing, then fishing for men at night. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. So it was fishing mm-hmm. during the day and then at night, you know, really trying to bring the gospel to people and and help uh, in mission there of what's going on in the church. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely immediately begin to think about the scriptures, begin to think about what Jesus would say or do, and then, you know, the apostles and the disciples. And so it was a good mission. I don't know if many people have listened. You and I did a a week-long on-air mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically gave those talks within, you know, sort of a 45-minute to an hour each night. So the online mission that we did, we posted as a podcast. It was a five-minute talks, but I stretched those out. Told a lot of stories. That's awesome. You yeah. do have some good stories. Yeah, so here's what's interesting. You know, I travel all around, and you've traveled some, but I go to areas a lot of times. Like, I was up in Maine, and the the diocese from one end to the next is eight hours. What? The bishop has to take an airplane. What? To, from one end to the next. Okay? That is wild. Yeah, it's crazy. And a lot of times in... Areas like this, whether it be North Mississippi or even, honestly, bro, like North Louisiana, a lot of rural areas, um, churches are far apart, um, Catholics are a minority, and the church just doesn't have the resources there. So I was talking to the people there, and they have in their diocese what they call lay ecclesial ministers. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. So lay ecclesial ministers are, are basically commissioned by... The bishop has sort of this office of commissioned lay ministers to run parishes. Mm-hmm. Now, many people are thinking, hey, we have, you know, how could they run like this big parish? We need a priest. And you have to kind of think outside that mindset. You got to think, here's a parish in the middle of the woods. Um, 
that has, you know, 50 families and the priest only comes once every other week. What do you do? Mm-hmm. So the bishops are having to think creatively in a sense of how do we keep these parishes open? How do we offer maybe communion services or discipleship groups and a priest not be there? We have to have someone to run this parish. Uh, and so the USCCB, United States Catholic Conference bishops, got together and came up with this lay ecclesial minister. Yeah, and it's so so strange to me how we can live in the same country, which for us, I mean, look, the United States is a huge place, right. and we think one country, but like in Europe, countries are the size of our states, right? Yep. But in one country, the same Catholic, you know, same church, but my experience of Catholicism is just so different from that. You know, like in Lafayette, there's 15 churches yep. in th- one city. Exactly, and I think a lot of times we can have t- tunnel vision of what the church is like. Mm-hmm. And it kind of does bother me, honestly, because if you travel to Africa or you travel to Europe, um, you travel to you know Asia, you get a, a different perspective of the church. You realize that the church is huge, it's broad, and and it's diverse. There's different issues and different people and different languages, and you know the liturgy looks different in some places, and you know evangelization looks different. A lot of times. We get so stuck in this tunnel vision of black and white of what we think the church should be because this is our experience of the church. Mm -hmm. And then we just go ballistic on people who do things differently. Yeah, that's so true. So true, Paul. They're not even maybe even doing things unorthodox. I mean, they're following the teachings of the church. They're They're just going about it differently because their situation is different. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, think too of all the Eastern Rite Catholics where it's literally different liturgies, literally different rites, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, the church is huge. I mean, we, we should all be orthodox and strive for that, obviously, and I think that's what you said, but I don't know. I guess traveling is the only way to experience that, because yeah, I can I can hear you say yeah, that, but right. I don't get it unless I visit these places. Yeah, and, and it's this empathy that we have to feel for people. Like, we travel and we meet people, and we get to know their story, and we get to know the, the story of the church, and then we become a lot more loving and less judgmental. Uh, and that's what I love about it, sitting with people who uh, only have a priest who come uh, once a month. Yeah, that's that's wild. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Like, we're, what if you want to go to confession? This is in our own country. I know. You want to go to confession, and you got to wait three weeks. Yes. That's wild. Right. And then if you have something going on, you miss the confession time. I mean, so there's a, there's a lot of things that are going on. So anyway, I was there fishing. Nice. And fishing. you should you should do a reality documentary type thing where you travel to the remote remote churches of the world and, and you visit these places. You would love that, dude. That would be pretty cool. I'd take you with me. You would? Yeah, because you would to hold the camera. Well, no, you would just make me laugh. You would keep me happy when I didn't have like <laughs> food or, or water. Or Man does not live by bread alone, Paul. A bathroom, you know, like things like that. So anyway, great conversation. Adam, thanks for being here today. Uh, we have a great show. Um, super excited about our guests. It's, it's going to be a different interview today, uh, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, so if you missed any of this, uh, find us on the podcast. So Paul George here. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, in studio. I am really, really excited about our guest today. I'm going to have an interesting conversation with my good friend, Renee Ori. Renee, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you? Great. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're super busy uh, creating all sorts of really cool stuff and, and organizing and cleaning. So just to let everyone know, um, Renee runs this organization called Amazing Spaces, amazingspaces.org. And you organize and design uh, people's homes and offices, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's that's uh, now to get in this conversation. And uh, this is fascinating. You and I have talked uh, about what you do, and there's so many uh, interesting tie-ins to the spiritual. How in the world did you get into um, organizing people's lives? Well, organizing is a fairly new industry. Um, so I did start out as a, a decorator. Okay. You know, I was I was working. Um, as an account executive at the Clarion Herald for the Archdiocese of New Orleans for a long time. You know, it was a great job, very secure, but something was just tugging at my heart to always uh, start my own business and, you know, do what uh, I was designed to do, which is uh, help people create a beautiful space yeah. to live in. So, um, you know, within that search, I had read a book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Okay. And that really changed my life. It just gave me the, um, you know, the confidence. It was about discerning God's call for your life right. and facing fears through failure and, you know, just stepping out and trusting God. Yeah, so, I, th um, I think I remember that book, actually. I think I read it, but... I can't remember. Do you? What was the highlight for you in that book that that kind of pushed you uh, in your discernment and to making these decisions? Well, we all have different gifts, you know, and um, there's just this one gift for me that is organizing and design. I've always loved it. You know, I remember um, my favorite toys as a child was playing with Fisher Price houses and, you know, reorganizing those, uh, you know, the rooms and things like that. So it's always been a part of me. Right. But when I really, you know, when I was in my forties, early forties, I, uh, you know, I read that book and I was really starting to think about my life and where I was and how much time I devoted to, you know, this other field. And my true gift was, uh, something a little bit different. Yeah. It's that, awesome. It's always been with me. So you know, it was a, an easy transition. Okay, we're going to get into a little bit more what you do because it's fascinating to me. So I'm talking to Renee Ori, uh, AmazingSpaces.org. It's not only organizing, but here, here's the next part of your mission is you declutter. Okay, yeah. so um, I, I just have so much tie-in here with the spiritual life, Renee, is a lot of times we're trying to gain traction in the spiritual life in our relationship with Christ and mm -hmm. we're dragging so many things with us. How yeah. much time do you spend, and do you see this part of decluttering in, in these homes or in offices as, as a really important step? It is. Uh, I see it a lot. You know, I go into, we're going to talk about homes and not offices right now, but when I do a walkthrough, um, you know, I can sense that when I'm working with someone with a, a 
a spiritual life. And um, I will then bring up having a certain area in the home, like um, I'll ask if they have a prayer chair. Mm-hmm. And their eyes light up, and, you know, these are very spiritual people, and, you know, they have no space. Right. You know, they, so their prayer life is lacking because of the disorder in their home, because there's no place to just go and retreat. Mm. That is so true, so, um, like just to be with God and, and to have that space. I, oftentimes I find that when I have a lot of clutter in my life and I'm attached to things, my spiritual life feels mm-hmm. the same way. Uh, right. what, what is it about us that is attached to so many things? Because when we read the Gospels, Jesus is constantly telling us to to not be. Well, you know, it's um, times are changing, and there's so much technology and so much thrown at us all the time, you know. Right. And uh, it's not just things, it's it's also... Facebook and, you know, social media, and right. that is also clutter, you Yes, know? gosh. So um, it's just the way the world is changing now, and, and it's, a, it's a, a larger battle. It's a bigger battle to um, step back and retreat, you know, and um, just yeah. to try to find God, time for God. Yeah, Jesus talks about, you know, this, this idea of, like, storing up the wheat and these barns, you know, uh, like the, our uh-huh. treasures and, and, you know, like storing up our treasures. And yet he's saying our treasure is, is in heaven. And, and, you know, there's this delicate balance for us because, uh, you know, we need certain things to live and, and to enjoy life. And, and God certainly wants that for us. But, but, like, how do we begin to create this space where we can declutter and just get rid of stuff that we don't really need? Like, um, do you have any advice there? I do. First um, is to come up with a plan for the space. So if you're really, uh, you know, if your home is set up where you you have an extra space, you know, find some spaces that aren't utilized will create what the family needs, whether it's a library or a study area for the children or, um, you know, so first is to come up with a plan and then to look at what is in the space and then, you know, relocate it or really take a look at these items and, and one and ask yourself, you know, is this needed? Do I use it? Did it just enter my house? Do I even know how it came into my house? (laughs) You know, right. Do I need it? Right. Yeah. And then it's time to just, you know, pass it on and um, donate and bless others with the abundance. You know, we were both admitting that when we get rid of stuff, we feel better about ourselves. Why is that? Why do we feel good when we get rid of things? Because things are always coming into your house. You know, there's always things that are coming in, but we don't make it a point regularly to get rid of. So, you know, Within time, there's just an overabundance. There's collections through. A lot of people have things that they've acquired through their childhood, and they just don't let it go because they just feel this sentimental attachment to it. Yeah. What, what do you or, find with uh, this attachment? Because I, I want to get into this a little bit. Is uh, why are we attached to things so much? Well, I think it's partly security. Mm-hmm. You know, they. Um, People just, uh, you know, they uh, fall in love with the things from their past, and they don't know how to just 
let it go. Yeah, you one know? of the things that you do is um, you help people as they get older, maybe they're retired or el- elderly, and they need to downsize from the home that you know they raised their family in. They're trying to downsize. What I find is when people are having these um, sort of, you know, this spiritual dilemma of like wanting things and and all this that you know they you know should I sell everything and become poor? And I and I say like, use the word detachment. As we become more detached from things, we become more attached to the reality of who God is in our life. That's right. And, you know, now there's a big movement to be uh, for minimalism. Hmm. You know, people are realizing that they're um, that uh, they shouldn't put so much emphasis on things and, um, you know, just collect like like uh, our parents have and our grandparents. You right. know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here's what I love. I love, you know, what you said about helping people create even sacred spaces in their homes, you know, a mm-hmm. place where they can pray and and have quiet time. I, I find that if you have sacred space in, in your home, that's connected to some sacred space in your own life. You know, you're committed to that. And, and I love what you said when we were talking about um, decluttering um, and detaching. Mm-hmm. You said, first of all, you got to have a plan. And, and I can't think of more, like, even in the spiritual life, if you don't have a plan in place, uh, it's probably not going to happen. Right, yeah, that's true. You know, it, it's it's better to live by design than by default. Yes. You know, and, and once you've experienced God's power in your life and with, you know, within certain things, and uh, it just marks you till the day you die, you yeah. know, so... Right. Uh, so, yeah. so I love what you said is one, make a plan, uh, you, you know, so even in say your home or your cluttered life to, to, you know, call you or, or begin to make a plan. Here's what we're going to do with, with our house and with our home or our office. We're going to begin to create uh, space. We're going to begin to get rid of things. We're going to begin to organize things and we're going to give away stuff. So make a plan. And then, and then you said this, um, uh, then to look at what is in the space. So basically evaluate uh, mm-hmm. what you have and what you need and what you want to get rid of, right? Right, yes. Yeah, and um, believe it or not, I used to be a pack rat. <laughs> I used to collect so many things because I was an art, you know, art major and I just needed things for projects. And I just... Uh, something just snapped and I realized I don't have, it, I was drowning in the, the clutter hmm. and now I just can't get rid of enough. You know, if someone comes over to my house and they, they make a comment that they like something, it's there because <laughs> I have no attachment to it. <laughs> I'm coming over. I'll be over there in a minute. Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm talking to uh, Renee Ori, amazingspaces.org. You can also find her on Facebook. I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. Oh, thank you. God bless.
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, uh, in studio. And I'm super excited to have a guest back on the show, uh, Bishop Sam Jacobs. Bishop, thanks for taking the time today to come back on the show. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so you're one of the few guests I've had back on. So you obviously have gotten way, uh, like, reviews uh, uh, from all over to have you back on the show. Well, I think you wrote guest script. That's okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll call it, we'll call this segment every now and then. Ask the bishop. So we're in the middle of this conversation, Bishop. Um, it was just in a conversation with uh, this great woman, Renee Ori, who does uh, this this work called Amazing Spaces. But anyway, we're talking about spiritual clutter. We're talking about actually physical clutter. You know, all the stuff that we can kind of you know you know, garner throughout our lives and, and it just kind of builds up and up. And, uh, and I've been wrestling with these scriptures I wanted to talk to you about, you know, it's a scripture, uh, in Luke 12, where Jesus, uh, uses parable of this guy who, who stores up all this stuff in his barns. And he says, what I'll do is I'll just build bigger barns and, and basically store more stuff in there, more wheat, uh, in there. So Jesus is teaching through that, and then there's this other teaching in Matthew 6 where Jesus talks about um, not storing up your treasures on earth, but in heaven, right? So when Jesus is talking and teaching about this stuff, about things, about clutter, about all this, what is he telling us? Well, I guess if you want to use another scripture passage, it would be from the Beatitudes, especially those uh, who are poor in spirit. Okay. that, that, that poverty of spirit. It's not. He's not saying we have to be poor, but we're we're, de- we're detached. We're not dependent upon. We're not we're not possessed by. And that it's just like the the young man that came to see him and says, you know, what must I do uh, to turn, have eternal life? He was possessed by his possessions. Okay. Uh, and so uh, it, it, the idea is that you know. Uh, is God the sin of our lives? Do, are we dependent upon God? Do we trust God? Do we know that God can take care of us? Uh, Paul says, you know, uh, uh, whether I have or don't have, I am, I'm sufficient. Right. You know, because my tendency is on the Lord, and I trust in that the Lord will provide for me. So the Lord is, is, is asking us to not be possessed by our possessions. It doesn't say we can't have things. It doesn't say that we can't have a lot of things, but are we possessed by them? Gotcha. Or are, are we able to let them go? And because there's something greater, and what is greater is the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think uh, it's my relationship with God. Yeah, no, that's good. I think a lot of times when we read scripture, Jesus does speak pretty uh, straightforward about this topic. You know, he tells the guy, uh, you know, go sell all your belongings and says that, you know, the guy walked away sad, um, you know, and, and the verses that you're talking about and I'm, and I'm talking about. But what is the difference between when you say detached, what do you mean by that? Like Jesus calls us to this idea of detachment. Well, that, that we're able to whether have or not have. Okay. Uh, and all we, all we are are stewards of what we have rather than uh, owners, in a sense, or masters of what we have. Uh, and so uh, if, if, uh, it's, it's like uh, Job. He had many things, and all of a sudden everything is wiped away. And he says, you know, uh, uh, naked I came into the world, and naked I'm going to return to the world. Uh, return. And so that whole realization of, you know, you know uh, I had it, but I'm not dependent upon it. 
Gotcha. It's, it's done my life. It, does, it, it doesn't determine who I am. Gotcha. There is, uh, my identity is not in my possessions. I am who I am by the grace of God, not by what I own. Gotcha. So we, you obviously don't define ourselves by the things that we own or buy, but right. It, right. It, it's okay to have those things. But when you talk about detachment, um, why is a detachment you know, important for the spiritual life? Well, we, we can be uh, uh, so caught up in, the, in our material goods that we don't take time for our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I'm so busy making money. I'm so busy getting another boat. I'm so busy uh, 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 taking another uh, trip. Uh, and I, not that any of that's bad, but how busy am I in taking time for my relationship to God? And so there's a priority. Is God the priority in my life? And do I show it in my in my actions and in, in, in how I I, I uh, uh, divide my time? Uh, how much time do I spend in, in, in prayer with God? How much time do I spend in reading the scriptures? Uh, so, what is my priorities? And if my possessions become my priority, then my life is like the man in the parable. You know, build another born. And you know, what happens? You die tonight. God says, "You fool." You know, uh, tonight you're going to die. And to whom will you leave all these things? And so it's that idea that uh, uh, I want to make sure that my relation with God is primary, and then these things are there to help me in my in my life, but they're not they're not primary. Gotcha. So basically, what you're saying is God wants to be number one in our lives above everything else. Exactly. Okay. Right. Okay. So so then here's the question for those. who are listening, I'm talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs. Um, so thanks Bishop for being on the show is then how do we shift gears to make sure that God's priority, he's number one priority in our lives in the midst of everything, family and jobs and, you know, friends and activities and things. How do we make sure that God's number one in our life? Uh, what is my focus? How much, how much energy do I put in, in my relationship to God? How much energy do I put in my relationship to my my business, my family, et cetera? That isn't to say I I, I give God everything and 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 deprive my uh, uh, those I'm responsible for of what I've got. No, it says that you know you know it's like uh, is God number one in your life? If if you look at the circle of your heart, is God at the center of your heart, or is God in uh, one among many in your heart? And so God is saying, I want to be the center. I want to be the focus. I want to be the Lord of your life. And if I'm the Lord of your life, you can have a lot of stuff. But as long as I'm the Lord of your life, uh, then uh, uh, then these things will not determine you. Uh, it, it, it goes back to the first, you know, the, the first commandment. Uh, I'm the Lord your God. You should have not strange gods before me. Hmm. Well, are our possessions become our gods? You know, do we put so much energy on these things, and that we fail to uh, to really give time for the Lord? You know, uh, and so I, I think that when we when we can look at our lives and say, okay, is God number one in my life? Not I'd like it to be number one, but in fact, is He the Lord of my life? If I, do I place my total trust in the Lord? Do I place all my possessions in the Lord's hands? Is, is He is He is He the 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 the, the beginning and end of my life? When I ask those questions, then I begin to find out if he is number one or other things are more important to me. 
Okay, so as we're asking those questions, I'm talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs. Uh, as we're asking those questions about is God number one in our lives, what are maybe some some fruits of that where we can begin to see that God is the number one priority in our life? What what are maybe uh, some graces that we see active in our life when we know that God's number one or we put God number one in our life? Well, I think one of one of the graces would be peace. Mm. You know, you know, we don't have this drive within us for the more. You know, we become satisfied uh, for whatever whatever we have, and not be driven for the more. There's there's a sense of peace. Uh, there's a sense of of of, uh, of God's presence. You know, that, uh, that God is not someone I I, I, I it, like a window sh- a shade I pull up in uh uh, uh, down in, in the night and pull up in the morning, you know. But it, it, he's a person that's that's really there in my life throughout my day, and I'm talking to him, and I'm and I'm just communicating with him throughout the day. Uh, I, I, I see things from God's perspective. I begin to to see the, the world, my my life, uh, etc., from from God's perspective. I get I get a sense of things from a different viewpoint, because the Spirit of God is leading me now to uh, uh, to see things differently. Uh, there's a greater joy in my life. You know, there's a greater freedom in my life. I love those things. I mean, if anybody's listening, you just gave us six things that, uh, you know, are sort of graces or signs that God is number one in our life or begins to be number one as we as we work into letting go of the clutter and the things and make God number one. I, I want to review those because I think they're pretty pretty cool. One is there's a peace that begins to take place in our life, that God's number one. There's a sense of surrender, I think, what you're saying there. And, and with surrender, there becomes peace. We become satisfied with what we have, whatever God's given us or gifted us. Uh, we become just satisfied in that. We begin to get a sense of God's presence in our life that, through that peace we begin to see the world through God's lenses. We see other people. We become more generous, is what you're saying. And then we have a sense of joy in our life, uh, which is crucial, I think, uh, for all of us. And then that sense of freedom in our life. And man, it, it, I, I think if we're having those six things in our lives, we're we're living a pretty um, a God-centered life, wouldn't you say? I agree. Man. Uh, well, you just schooled me, Bishop Jacobs. You just gave me a, a nice spiritual lesson on life today. So, uh, which is not unusual, I guess you could say, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to come on today uh, and encouraging us. I'm talking to Bishop Sam Jacobs, Bishop, uh, give me uh, your website because you do a daily blog or a weekly blog that you send out. Uh, what is that website that people could go to? Uh, it's www.spiritaflame, S-P-I-R-I-T-A-F-L-A-M-E dot org, spiritaflame dot org. Awesome. It's Bishop Sam Jacobs, www.spiritaflame dot org. You can go. You can go to the website and you can get uh, daily updates from the bishop. Bishop Jacobs, thanks again, man. We'll have you on sooner than later. All right? All right, brother. I love you. All right. Love you too, man. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul George here in studio. Adam Conk been quiet over there. We've had so many guests on this show. I know. We, so we did mesmerized. a two-guest show, which is kind of cool. I love the change of pace. Renee Ori came on, Amazing Spaces, and she was super fabulous. Super fab. And then we had Ask the Bishop a question, or questions. Yeah, and then, several questions. And good. then I made you feel a little uncomfortable off air. Yeah, you started singing. I, was, I won't say what you were singing. But I was you, singing, you singing Grease. You were. <laughs> you remember what Grease song I was singing? Uh, I don't know the name of it. Stranded but. at the Drive-In. Branded a fool. I can't believe what will they say? You are Monday. You're so uncomfortable right now. You are something else, Paul George. <laughs> oh, so anyway, it's been a great show. All right, so Adam, uh, what'd you learn on the show today? So I did learn things on the show, but I just have to put. I didn't know where else to fit this in, but I have to let the listeners know that I met your mom. You met last Maddie. Weekend. You met Maddie. Maddie, and I feel like I understand you so much better because you two. Or two peas in a pod. Yeah, she's a hoot. I love my mom. She is a hoot. Like, if there's one thing you need to know, I love my mom. She is a woman, Paul George. It's it's amazing. Yeah. But I learned a lot about you because uh, she Okay, had... so did she... So we were at a fundraiser dinner. Correct. Okay, and it was loud and big crawfish. Boiled crawfish. Yeah, all, shrimp, all shrimp. shrimp and, yeah. But y'all were at one end of the table. We're at another. It's a round table, but it was so loud I couldn't hear. Every now and then I would just hear her yell across the table, I'm telling stories about you. <laughs> well, my wife and I, Marianne and I, sat right next to your mom, mm-hmm. and we heard lots of stories. But apparently, apparently you were a bit of a hellion back in, back in the day. They're probably all true stories. Now, my mom, probably a little bit like me, can exaggerate <laughs> and tell some stories. But I still don't know what you learned from her. I learned things like you getting kicked out of a school. In that, fact, Bishop Jacobs, who we just talked to, apparently intervened to keep you in college. Okay, so we'll, we will have him back on, and we'll <laughs> ask him that question if I almost got kicked out of college. <laughs> well, apparently, that was quite a story. So I learned that. What did okay. you learn this show? Well, uh, first of all, I learned uh, a heck of a lot of lessons from uh, Renee and Bishop. Yeah. So I learned a lot about just cleaning out this clutter in our life. Uh, not only physical clutter, but the spiritual clutter. I, I thought Renee, for me, just really kind of challenged me to to kind of do some physical inventory, which then led to this discussion with Bishop on these scriptures. And I love these six points he made about have you know you know putting God first, and then there being a sense of peace, being satisfied, having a sense of God's presence, seeing the world through God's eyes, having a sense of joy and freedom. I thought was. Pretty cool. So that's that's what I, I learned, and I learned that when I sing Greece, <laughs> I get really uncomfortable. You get really red and uncomfortable, <laughs> as I should, I think. Monday oh, at school, Paul George. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, how about those uh, six pack of questions? Question. All right. Question number one. So we'll start with our first guest, Renee Ori. Okay. Oh, that was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about a child's favorite toy and having a place for it. Did you have a favorite toy as a child? I actually, I had some toys that I played with. So I had, a, I would play outside a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was either riding a bike or playing with some type of, you know, basketball or football or baseball. I, I threw a lot of balls through windows as a kid. Nice. On accident. Never, never on purpose. Never? Never. Okay. Uh, Did you sleep with any of those? But like rainy days. Yeah. Uh, now, I want to know, like, what toy was, like, your cuddle toy? Like, what toy did you latch on to? 
It would have been a football, and I nice. slept in a football uniform a lot. As a, a whole kid. uniform. Yeah, you know those little plastic helmets and helmet and all. Yeah, yeah. You didn't break your neck or anything. Well, I'm still here. <laughs> here you are. I mean, a broken neck. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds pretty serious, Adam. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> all right. Question number two. What did you mean by a cluttered spiritual life exactly? I think a lot of times we can be distracted by things, a lot of things. Bishop talked about that. Renee talked about it. I think a lot of times if I do inventory in my own life, when I start to just have a lot of stuff, physical stuff, I think it oftentimes is a reflection of my spiritual life. It becomes a lot of clutter, a lot of distractions. And I think as we do inventory on either our spiritual life or the things in our life, when we do inventory, we begin to clean, clean out, when we begin to give away when we begin to get rid of things that we don't need, there becomes a sense of freedom, a sense of peace. And I think they're, they're intricately connected. I could say, you know, so I have a friend, they, they do a garage sale like twice a year. They go through their house or, or they give stuff away. And we begin to do that in our own life, like giving stuff away, uh, you know, going through our closet, whether it be old things or things that, that we like, it's like, we don't use it. A lot of those things I think purify us. And help us to be what I think the bishop said is satisfied mm. with what, with where we are in our state of life. Wow, it's challenging stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're both gonna just do inventory. Let's do it. Let's, Let's get do rid it. of stuff. Question O number three O. Yep. So she talked about being a former pack rat. Yeah. Did you ever have a collection of something, say like a bug collection, stamp collection, coin collection, baseball card? What did you pack and hoard? Uh, Oreo cookies. Are you serious? Yeah, I would. So my sister <laughs> couldn't get. Is for real? My sister couldn't get them. I would hide the Oreos. Are you serious? In places that she couldn't find them. This is crazy. Like this, a big pile of cookies somewhere in yeah, a corner. Yeah, man. Look, with milk late at night, well, I would go I through like it's a delicious. gallon of milk a day. Cool. Yeah, as a kid. With Oreos. Well, I was a big kid, but. Apparently. <laughs> I collect baseball cards and stuff. I ended up giving all those things away. Hats, like baseball caps. I would get them from different teams. So I'd really? collect like the teams of hats, I hats mean, of teams. How many did you have? Uh, a lot. A hundred? Like a hundred? Yeah, I had a box of caps. A hundred hats. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a hundred hats in one place. I gave them away. Even at a hat store. Like, it's a lot of hats. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats. <laughs> how many hats do you have now? I don't know. Just an, enough to wear every like, now and like then. Like 75? <laughs> Right, half of that. Cut it down. I probably have 20 baseball caps. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think I have two. But I'm not a hat guy. You're you're a hat guy. Right. When you lose all your hair, you'll be a hat guy. Okay. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Uh, now to the Bishop Jacobs half. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so much I can do. Do you like that segment we can do every now and then called Ask the Bee? I think it's great. Okay. Ask the Bishop. Good stuff. Um, there's so much we could talk about with him, but one, he, he brought up the idea of possessions not possessing us. What possession has ever possessed you? Hmm. Or, or come the closest? Gosh. I, I guess when you look at that, it would, it would you would say, okay, what possession's the hardest to get rid of? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, part of that's hard because I think some things God gives you wants you to enjoy. You know, and so you don't always have to give it away. But was there ever a thing in your life that, looking back, oh yeah, that possessed me too much? Uh, well, I would say this in like more of like 
an activity or hobby or a career path was mm -hmm. this idea of sports for me was a trajectory that I thought I was going to be on forever and come to find out that I was deeply possessed with it. Mm. You know, it was, it, it was ingrained in my identity. It was ingrained in everything that I did or, or whatnot. And I found that I, I didn't know that until it began to sort of be ripped away from me, whether it be through different circumstances and I kind of walked away from it. I began to understand how hard it was because I was, I was so tied to it. So I, I could probably say I was possessed by that more than I probably should have been. Possessed by sports. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. But I'm not anymore. Right. No, I'm completely detached. Completely. So, like, if we went outside right now and played basketball and I whooped you. No, I'd be pissed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not that detached. <laughs> but uh, but I would, I, it wouldn't define me. That, I think that's what I would say. Okay. Like, I wouldn't walk away being like I'm a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number five. So you and Bishop Jacobs obviously have known each other quite a while. Yeah. What's an awesome Paul George Bishop Jacobs story? Well, there's a lot because I, I knew him in high school, and he when he got assigned bishop in the Diocese of Alexandria in 1989, I was the first confirmation class he ever did. He didn't know me at the time, but I got kicked out of my confirmation class <laughs> and had to go meet with him. Maddie told me that story. So that's a true story. So we, <laughs> we you know, our stories uh, kind of you know, mesh, mm -hmm. uh, and meet with him to talk him into letting me get confirmed when my mom was going to kill me. <laughs> so you had to do this to him directly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What 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 tactic did you use? So I had to write him a letter and then go meet with him, we meet with the bishop. Can you imagine as a 14-year-old kid going <laughs> meet with the bishop? <laughs> what did you say? I don't remember what I said. I think I lied. So, um... I really want to get confirmed, and then I, and I um, didn't. But, um, but, you know, what's interesting is that God used that because later on, like through my conversion, like he was integral in kind of answering a lot of my questions that I had about the faith. Mm -hmm. So that meeting with him, I was years later could go back to him and ask him questions and I trusted him because he was very pastoral with me when I met with him as a 14 year old kid who didn't want to have anything to do with the faith. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you and him also, or you and he also did a lot of retreats together and all kind of stuff over the years. What was it like having a partnership with a bishop in ministry like that? What was that experience like? Well, you know when you when you could say like, "Hey, all the pressure's on God; it's not on me." That was the same thing with the bishop. Is like, "Oh, there's a bishop in the room." <laughs> you know, it's like, really? You thought about this? Yeah, like there's no pressure on me; it's all on him. Like you know, like I'm just like this small little lay dude who uh, has no authority. And, uh, you know, so I would just, yeah, it's easy. The bishop was in the room. He's like, yeah, I'll just lean on him to answer all the questions. That's so funny. And I still remember very vividly, 15 years old for me, Steubenville South, Alexandria, Paul George and Bishop Sam Jacobs. Boom. I remember it. Yeah, I was a speaker and he was... Also a speaker. But bishop. But bishop. And you're right. Like, the pressure was on him. Yeah, pressure was on him. So, <laughs> so Yeah. So that's six pack of questions. That's a good list of questions, man, and good show today. Yeah. You know, we got uh, Renee and Bishop. Thanks to them for coming on the show. So here's the deal about the shows: they're uploaded as a podcast. You can get them on iTunes or Google Play. You can go to the website paulgeorge.la, and they're always on there. Uh, you can listen to past shows and and this show and future shows. Um, but we're getting a lot of traction with the show, so we're going to continue to to be good at it so you can also find us on twitter at paul george ii send out the show share it with people 
be excited about it. We got some cool stuff coming up uh, with the show. Lots of exciting things. So thanks for tuning in today. It's Paul George Show. We'll be back next week. Bye, guys.